1: What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton, and this is Nate Drolet. and together we form Siskel and Ebert. Do you know who Siskel and Ebert are? Not a clue. You don't have a clue? No. Oh man, they were they were movie critics back in the day. I think Siskel was the tall, skinny one, and or maybe Ebert was the skinny one, and one, there was a fat one too. So I feel like someone just put them together because they looked cool next to each other. But they were movie critics, and today we're going to be critical of climbing gyms. So, today we're Siskel and Ebert, another dated reference on my part.
0: Am I the short, fat one?
1: Well, you're a little taller than I am, so I can be the short, fat one. Boom. I'm okay with that. Um, today, Nate and I painted logos in the machine shop. Were they turned out We're almost amazingly. done with the damn thing. Mm-hmm almost there i'm so psyched to be able to get back to training and climbing and not having to be a fucking carpenter <laughs> i don't know how people do it way faster than i do that's how they do it yes. Exactly. yeah this shit is hard and uh you know if you saw the title some of you are very very excited that we're about to bash on gyms and that's not really what this is about we're not trying to like destroy gyms because we've both gotten great benefits out of gyms right oh yeah and and i mean every one of these things that we're going to mention has a solution some of your gyms are already providing the solutions and i think that's pretty badass i see it more and more out there as we travel actually mm-hmm. um so that's kind of cool uh, there were some things that you had written down there that you were at first like we should we should talk about this and then we're like eh, maybe not those things are actually kind of cool uh, yeah
0: so well one of them um i see what you tried to do yeah there. one of them is cool yeah the other one you liked um so first one is <laughs> world world cup <laughs> boulders uh, and honestly i'm not really mad, that mad at them I'm like you know this is one of those things that i feel like a lot of people probably thought like, ah, oh, yes, we get to start bashing World Cup problems. Yeah, um, but no, like
1: mostly the outdoor climbers, like the mm-hmm. the old crusties, uh, who who think that everything in the gym should be geared toward the outdoors. Peter Beal, um, I see you out there, Peter. Those people, generally speaking probably hated the the world cup polders coming into gyms but i kind of dig them frankly
0: yeah i think they're good like they're you know it's it's still climbing like it's much more athletic that's for sure um yeah. it requires just a different type of skills mm-hmm. you know and i think if they're not taking taken to a complete extreme then yeah they're cool like they're a fun thing to kind of keep in the mix um you know you can only climb on like steep crimps for so long but uh yeah, so I don't really have an issue with them. Anything you want to say on that?
1: Nah, I, I'm, I'm a fan of the World Cups, so we're not going to bash on that at all. I think they're super fun and more applicable than most people give them credit for. Yeah. So.
0: No, totally. Um, and then, so the other one I can kind of.
1: This is the thing that you wanted to bash on. Yes. But I disagree.
0: Yeah. Um, and to me, it's five-star rock climbs and the idea that every... Because I remember at one point there was an interview with a setter. Maybe it was a climbing gym up in Canada, but he was saying, you know, we try and set all five-star rock climbs, if not at least four-star rock climbs. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we have the capability, so everything we set should, should, be, should be great. And I disagree with that. Um, mostly because, like, if something's five-star, like, in a gym the way something is typically deemed five star is someone didn't complain about it for the most part, which means you're trying to more or less pander to everyone. So there's always going to be feet where you want them. You know, the reaches are never too far. Like everything's just kind of nice, but like that doesn't really happen outside.
1: Right. Um, so. And I totally agree with that point. My definition of five star is just different and probably different than most people's. Like mm-hmm. if you, if I were to give stars to all of the boulders in the machine shop that I do on my warm-up circuit, I would call them all five-star. But by your definition, they'd be like one-star at best because the reaches are huge. The feet aren't where you want them at all. Mm-hmm. There's some tweaky-ish holds. You some of the holds so face the wrong direction, they, Chris. They face the wrong fucking direction, and they don't have a foot where you want it for facing that direction. So... I mean, it's the best one star gym in Wyoming, frankly. Yeah. So I'm, um, I'm down for my one star
0: boulders. So, yeah, that's, you know, I guess it kind of depends on how you look at five stars. Like, I think, like, to me personally, when I look in a climbing gym, like, there's some things where it's like, you know, you need some, something needs to be a good challenge, but it may not be the most fun. Like, right. if everything is perfectly fun all the time and you're always having a smile on your face and you're like, this is just a great time, like, you know, maybe you're not trying that hard or maybe like it's not really challenging you in the ways that you need to be challenged.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, when I talked to Tonde Cattillo, which will be out soon on the podcast, maybe before this one comes out, who knows? I have no idea how these things happen. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) And if you don't, no one does.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, When I talked to him, he talked about setting to take people through an entire range of emotions which I think is really cool. You know, that people should be frustrated. They should be upset. They should be scared, you know, all of those things. And they should be happy. Some things should make them feel like a fucking superstar. Yeah. You know, and that's great, but not everything should make you feel that way. So.
0: yeah. No, totally. Um, and I completely agree with that. Like, I think you should go through this entire, I mean, cause that's what outdoor climbing is like, yep. you know, you go through this, a wide range of, like feelings and of, I mean, yeah. Like how often do you hear this? Like people will be like, oh, that the problem sucks. It's so stupid. Like I hate it. And then when they send it and they finally like figured out, they're like, have you done this one? Yeah. It's they tell so good. all their friends about it. It's really cool. You just got to figure it out in the gym. Yeah. And it's the same thing outdoors. <clears throat> like, you know, like there's so many things where I'm like, God, I just want this out of my life. And then once I'm done with it, or like I finally figure out how to like do it well, I'm like, oh, that's actually pretty awesome. Um, yep. Yep. But and, I, I,
1: and this this tangent that we're sort of headed down already and the episode hasn't even started, um, I think we're going to discuss this more. I think we're going to bring this back up, you know, the five-star boulder idea um, in a patron episode coming up soon uh, that will be uh, answering a patron question about is it the setter's job to help progress the climber? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and should setters be using tweaky holds? Are they doing as a disservice by not using them? We'll discuss that a little more in depth in that patron episode. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so I'm going to cut you off, and we're not going to go down that tangent. All right, all right. Uh, today we're discussing the top five ways that your gym is holding you back. And in previous board meetings, Nate and I have sort of come up with our own lists. Um, in this situation. We compiled our ideas and came up with our top five. Nate obviously had two ideas that were totally wrong, so we're not talking about those. We just use those as an intro, (laughs) as an example of terrible ideas. So the number five way that your gym is holding you back is by having more consistent, less cruxy climbs. And I think that goes for boulders and for routes. You know, this was this Oops. was yours.
0: Yeah, I was actually thinking of it as boulders. I didn't even think about routes, but I mean,
1: 100%. Yeah, I think it goes both ways. Um, so since this was yours, how about you? Tell me your thoughts on it.
0: Um, oh, I like this for routes so much. I mean, I like it for boulders too, but for routes, it's really important. Um, let's start there. Let's start with routes. Okay. Like, you know, like, A consistent route where every move is roughly the same difficulty that's really fun Mm -hmm. but they don't really exist that much like some places in the red river gorge they like they're like that right but even then you'll have like some moves that are a bit harder um but here they don't happen at all no god no um but what happens is you take someone who is really good at just chugging along and you throw like one stopper move in front of them man they just get shut down
1: i've met that guy
0: yeah (laughs) <laughs> I'm sitting next to him, um, but I mean, like a lot of like I learned how to sport climb in the Red River Gorge, mm-hmm. and so that was very much me for a long time, like learning how to change the diff, like change the intensity that I was climbing with. And so, if you're climbing in a gym where they're very smooth and flowy, and like everything's about the same, like you don't learn that skill of how to. Right. <clears throat> how to change pace how to be like okay this is a dial up the intensity exactly like okay i'm at a two right now like i'm just relaxing i get up okay here's like a 20 move power endurance section I need to rev up to like maybe a six and it ends with like one hard move so i need to rev up to like an eight or a nine and then it's easy again so i need to go right back to a two right like those are mandatory skills and if you look at great rock climbers guys like adam andra like those guys are so good at dialing up and down their intensity. They can just rev up so fast. And the second they're done, they can just completely relax.
1: Yep. Yeah. And the interesting thing about the like consistent climbs is I think they're a great tool for teaching pump management. um, And that's a, a really valuable asset for you as a climber but 100%. once you learn the skill of it you really don't need to practice it that much anymore Um, and I think the, the skill of of dialing up and dialing down the intensity is far more valuable when you're trained on those consistent climbs which is how I trained you know we purposely set things in the gym I actually took we had a very consistent route in the gym, the yellow route, um, which all the questers from back then will remember. Yasmin and I still talk about it fondly. Um, that there really was no crux, so to speak. Every move was at almost the same difficulty. We actually took that route down, washed it and put it back up. Oh, wow. Because we knew it so well that I could just strip it and replace it. And that route was great for me training for the undertow, you know, training for everything on the undertow except for convicted didn't do shit for me on that route. Um, but it made me believe that I was good at dialing up the intensity or dialing it down. But really what was happening is you get to a rest and you take it from the four you've been climbing at and you take it down to three. And then as soon as you start climbing again, you take it back up to four. So you're barely moving the needle Mm -hmm. when you're in that situation. Um, And the cruxy climbing is really just moving the needle in a much more dynamic way. You know, you're climbing at a three or four and then you ramp it up to eight or nine and then you're back down to three or four or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just an extension of the same, same sort of um, skill just a wider latitude of that skill and people are missing out if they don't have it totally. And, and the gym climbs, you know, you and I sport climbed in Virginia and those routes were ridiculously fun. So much fun, but we didn't get on anything that was super cruxy. Yeah. You know, it was pretty sustained. And I think that's the direction that gyms are going for the most part. Now we didn't get on on everything in there by any means. So, you know, there could be cruxy routes in there and maybe we were just choosing those routes because that's what we both wanted to do. But I do think it would be valuable for gyms to put more cruxy routes in the, in the queue.
0: Totally. I completely agree. Um, so then boulders would be next. Um, and this kind of goes back to like the whole five-star mentality, but um you're
1: just trying to bring that in. really just
0: sliding that in as much as i can (laughs) um yeah i mean like in setting clinics they tell you that you should make boulders consistently difficult and like they progressively get a little bit harder as they go because you want people to get off the ground you want people to feel like they're making some progress right um but the thing is it's like that's just not how rock climbing is like It can be cool. Like it's nice to have every move feel about the same, but you need to be able, I mean, it's the same thing with sport climbing, but to a much more extreme level, like you need to be able to pull off the ground and try 100% first move. Yeah. That's a a necessary skill, especially like, Oh God, like sit starts where it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, you're now sitting, you're fully relaxed. Now you need to grab that undercling and like put two smears by your face and just like 100% 100% tense up, rip off the ground and just like try a really hard move. Yeah. And it's like you, you know, it may take you 70 tries to stick that move. Like that is a skill that has to be developed. But, you know, that's not something. That's that is a one-star rock climb right there. Like that's a
1: five-star rock climb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have very different skills. <laughs> oh. I mean, you know, just today in the machine shop, Sam Elias came in was looking at the holds and he touched a hold called must match to pass go and he was like oh shit this hold is heinous you know and i was like yeah that's my two move project and that's what this is i mean we definitely fall into the trap setting in there of being consistent with our difficulty Mm -hmm. and that was one of the first boulders i put up like I just want this two move heinous ass project and now you've got a, a one or two move heinous project
0: as well it's a one move and a match yeah um, yeah if there was a comment card or if there was a box for comment cards like I feel like we would already have
1: I'd be like these are the best climbs in the gym yeah <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: signed by not the setter <laughs> um, but yeah like I mean your matchmaker or whatever that much match let Pasco like go,
1: yeah people would hate that oh yeah they would fucking hate it it's horrible nobody tries it but me
0: yeah i actually looked at it the (laughs) other day um but yeah that's just it it's like for you it's great it's awesome it's like it serves such a wonderful purpose yeah yeah and it's the same thing like my boulder that is just pull off the ground on two bad crimps and latch another crimp like that's awful like no one wants to come do that thing no one should ever like try to do that thing right but for me it's Perfect. Like it is a great challenge. Like it's something I'm really excited about. Um so but if I try to set, you know, that same difficulty but over a series of twelve consistent moves, I would never have to try nearly that hard, other than from being powered down.
1: Right. Right. And one you know, one of the benefits of what we do here is that you know, I've got BJ in there making up problems that it's consistent for him but that means that every move is nails hard for me. So I can just be like, okay, you make up your problem and then I'll just stop on hold too. Like that's my problem now. That's my mm. project.
0: You know, I hear he's an eight foot tall man beast.
1: <laughs> he is.
0: He is. Um, um, but yeah, so that's like, I guess we could kind of delve into solutions now for gyms with less cruxy climbing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this one is somewhat obvious as far as the solution goes. Moonboard. Jesus Christ, what is wrong with you? That's the sound no, of me I'm getting fired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think I think boards are a great idea. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think we'll we'll end up talking about those quite a bit as a solution here. Yep. I think purposely setting short cruxy routes or short boulders is kind of fun and cool to see in a gym. Like if I walk into a gym with a, you know, 70 foot walls, it's going to be interesting to see one that ends halfway up, you know? And I'm going to be like, Oh shit, what's that all about? You know? Yeah. I think that's cool. At Rockquest, we had, there was one wall that was a top rope wall actually, but it always had top rope and vertical. But it always had really interesting hard top rope problems, hmm. um, and I I had stopped sport climbing in the gym entirely. The only occasions where I would put a harness on was to climb on that top rope wall. Oh man! Just because they were sh- really short, like twenty five foot routes, but they were really bouldery and really cool movement. You know, so mm-hmm. I think
0: those are really interesting to people. Totally. I mean, we were just talking about it today like you know uh what is it the machine shop is 14 like linear feet of climbing right and we were talking about just setting boulders to the halfway point
1: yeah yeah i've got several that just end halfway up
0: yeah and you know we were talking about how like how awesome it is to be able to just have like three hard moves and drop Um, but for people who don't get to set um who you just happen to climb at a gym and let's say everything that they said is like power endurancy i think something you just talked on with bj's problems is one good way to do it is man pick something that's nails hard and just you know try and break it down say you're just going to try and do half of it
1: yeah this shit is arbitrary anyway yeah you know all of it is indoor climbing sport climbing unless you're an alpinist trying to get to the peak of something or a mountaineer getting to the very tip top and you can go no higher most of the shit is arbitrary like anchors are just putting some random fucking place and the bolts are following some random line most mm-hmm. of the time so if you want to stop halfway and that you know you want that to be your route your send great do it you know if you're a 511 climber pick a 12c and try to go to the halfway point or the you know third or however it breaks down in a in a fun way mm-hmm. yeah I think that's a really smart way to look at it actually. You know, that's not and that takes it out of the the gym's hands. Like stop blaming your gym. You know, you have the power to make it whatever you want it to be. So it would be nice if the gym provided us with everything. But, yeah. But they can't do that. You know, we all have such different needs, so
0: But they can provide you with process journals in the <laughs> store. <laughs>
1: I can't believe you just said that with a straight face. (laughs) It's only the two of us here.
0: (laughs) Another thing, too, is you might even realize that you can climb harder than you think. Like, for instance, if you have a really sustained 70 foot 12C, then you're like, okay, I just want to climb to like, let's say it's 10 bolts. I want to climb to the fifth bolt. Um, You might find that, like, oh, it's only like maybe 12A to the fifth bolt. Like, okay, maybe I'll try and go to the sixth. And then you realize, like, you know, maybe instead of just thinking it was, oh, a 12 C is like really hard. It's like, well, it's actually just like two 12 A's stacked on top of each other. Right. Like that seems more doable. Maybe I can climb like the five, six next, do it, traverse over and climb the second half. Mm -hmm. That's also like a 12 A. And then eventually you can link the whole thing. Like there's a lot that you can do with it.
1: Yeah, totally. That's a really good idea actually. And a, and a great point. I mean, I think that's how we learn is by getting in into things that we think are over our heads and it's really easy to hold yourself back. So that's a great way to get in over your head sort of accidentally. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Number four, the the number four way your gym is holding you back. And this is, I hate this. I don't, (laughs) it looks so cool when you walk into a gym and you see these independent lines everywhere. Like, Oh, there's one boulder here and one boulder there and one boulder there. But frankly, for the sake of progression, that fucking sucks. Yeah. You know, it looks amazing. So independent lines is our number four way. And shit, man, it makes it nearly impossible to work moves um, other than, you know, standing on your friend's shoulders or some shit to get up there.
0: I've got a guy I train, uh, shout out to Dana, and, uh, he actually, he, at one point in his messages, he was just like, oh yeah, you know, and I used a ladder to get up to the top of this problem to work the red point crux and <laughs> nice I messaged work, him back. Dana. I was like, just checking, just double check. And I read that correctly. You <laughs> used a ladder. He's like, he's like, yeah, all the lines are really far apart. So you like, you just have to climb it ground up to get to the top. You know, it's like a big crimpy V9 with the crux at the end. He was like, so I just pulled out a setting ladder. Yeah. I was like, job, there you Dana. go. Well Shit. done
1: yeah i mean (laughs) maybe your gym will get the point like yeah stop setting that way everyone's
0: bringing in their own (laughs) or their ladder
1: (laughs) that would be great working out all the problems on top rope
0: but yeah so independent lines like this is something that i yeah it's really tough like you you don't realize it until you climb at a place that has this but you like look around you're like oh you fall off you know, two thirds height. You're like, okay, I'll just climb up and figure it out. And you like, kind of look left and right. You're like, shit! Like, I just have to climb the actual boulder again. Right. Like, I right. just have to send this ground up um, instead of being able to have like an easy climb next to it. Or exactly, like that.
1: exactly. For the folks who are listening who aren't sure why the hell we're bashing on something that looks so cool when you walk into the gym. Essentially, if you want to work a move that's at three quarter height on a boulder. If you've fallen up there several times and you want to try that move in isolation, the best way to do it in most gyms is to climb a nearby easier problem up to that point then get on that move and and try the move. When you're more fresh than you would be in getting there initially or, or via the original problem. And ideally, there would be Jug climbs, and in a lot of gyms nowadays, there are down climb routes everywhere. Down climb problems, down mm-hmm. climb jugs.
0: Which I just have to say, like, because I think it's Atomic who makes those down climb handlebar jugs. Uh huh. That's like one of the most brilliant business ideas ever. Oh, yeah, that's everywhere. great. Everywhere.
1: I just saw some really cool ones from Escape too. Ooh. They've got a down arrow. They're dual tech, so the down arrow we have one in the machine shop shop. yeah they they let you know down climb now (laughs) and i put it in a place where you should probably not go any higher yeah that is the danger zone (laughs) Um. so yeah that's why these independent lines are problematic because you can't work moves and working moves trying moves over and over is in a really essential part of getting better at rock climbing
0: yeah No, totally. Like you, like if you're just hoping that you stick, stick the moves ground up every time, like you're probably not doing that hard of moves. Like it's, I mean, even just moves on the ground, like the difference between your first go and like your 10th go, there's so many moves that I've tried where I'm like, no, this is impossible. And then after 10 goes, it's like, okay, I'll probably won't fall on this ever again.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: But if you have to climb an entire boulder ten times just to get to that move, and then be like slightly fatigued, and you know maybe there's pressure to try and just send it, so you're not willing to try as radical of beta, like your your chances of actually learning go down drastically.
1: Yeah, and exactly what you said in the you know in number five, the consistent less cruxy climbs. If you if you're able to work those moves in isolation, you might realize, oh, I can climb harder than I thought because, you know, this is really just two V4s stacked on top of each other instead of I did this V4, now I'm really pumped and those moves feel impossible, mm-hmm. you know, or now I'm really tired and those moves feel impossible, whatever it is if you can do that second half in isolation, it's much easier to piece it together in your head and go, Oh shit, I can link these two things together and do this problem. Totally. And, and you sort of lose that with those independent lines. Um, what about routes? I've only been in a few gyms that have really independent route lines, Mm -hmm. but they definitely exist. And I think it makes it tough, you know, in the same respect. and, Not that you would necessarily have to reclimb the whole route again because you get to hang on the rope, check out the moves, but a really valuable part of learning a move indoors can be being able to use an intermediate hold or being able to use a better foothold to make the move work for you, or climbing up a couple of jugs to clip the bolt above you so that you can work out this section on top rope. Cause there aren't stick clips everywhere in the gym. Totally. You know? And I think that's a really valuable part of getting, getting into the higher grades and understanding what's possible for you.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I a hundred percent agree. Like, you know, I've heard the argument that, well, it's not going to be like that outside. So why should we do it here? It's like, yeah. well, this is a place of higher learning. Exactly. So our goal here is to learn and to get better as fast as possible. Um, it's, and so to kind of add something else, like with independent lines is you don't get like intermediate holds. For instance, if I'm trying a boulder, And i'm like wow that's a really big move i'm just gonna grab this jug on another route on the other boulder and then i'll use it to bump to try and simulate the move and see what the tension feels like at
1: the end right so your hand doesn't have to travel
0: as far for the move exactly it's like yes i can't do that outside however i'm indoors i'm trying to get stronger i'm trying to learn like i'm trying to figure this out as fast as possible like i want to get stronger and better as fast as possible like that's kind of the goal um, and so this helps me do it. So if they're independent lines, like I no longer have that.
1: Yeah. You don't have that option. Yeah. It's just like having a sport route outside. Like, you know, let's take for instance, Dracula at the red, mm-hmm. super popular sport route. Amazing, amazing line. Um, bolted by Kenny Barker, F8 by Kenny. One of the best 13 B's in the red, hands down. No question originally the the last bolt wasn't there Mm -hmm. and you had to do this big run out through the crux um, to clip the chains and i had the the fortune of working on the route when the bolt went in yes so i had worked on it a little before the bolt went in so i knew what that run out was like
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and i could do the run out But it made it exceptionally difficult to work those upper moves. Mm -hmm. If you fell in the middle of the crux, if you fell anywhere in the crux, actually, you couldn't work the moves above it. You had to climb through the lower moves of the crux just to get to those higher moves. And when the bolt went in, which incidentally was at a jug.
0: Yes, a great clipping jug.
1: Yeah, right in the middle of this big run out. Yep. Then you had more option to rest there and hang on the bolt, and then you could try those moves, mm-hmm. you know, that five move sequence or whatever it was. Um, and frankly, that made the route more enjoyable for me. You know, when I was 27 years old, I might have been like, fuck that, we don't need a new bolt, you know, and been all crusty and angry about it. But but it just made the route more fun to be able to hang on that bolt, dial in the crux a little better, and then be able to send the route. So that's like that's essentially the same thing as having this independent line where you don't get to try anything up there because you you can't get through this stopper move.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny that actually happened with Ultra Perm as well because um, there used to be a bolt up high right before they pulled point out. Crux. It pulled out and so when they put a new one in they were looking for good rock and they're like oh we'll just put it ended up putting it about 12 feet lower than it was like significantly lower um, and so now it's like quite a large run out to get to the red point crux and you take a huge whip it's really steep and when Ashima Shiryashi came she tried ultraperm and couldn't do the red point crux of it mm. couldn't figure it out was taking these huge whips so someone actually went up the line next to it traversed over and then lowered down a loop of rope and then hauled her up past so that she could work the red point crux on top rope right she figured it out and then so ultra Permis 13d and then like shortly after she did the 14c that links into it right but like be- all
1: she needed was to be able to check those moves out exactly
0: like the second yeah. she knew what she was doing it was wasn't even a big deal and she you know hiked it from the super low start yep um but yeah so it makes a huge difference even for like a world-class climber on something that is more than a number grade below her limit. Absolutely. You know, it probably makes a difference for us too.
1: Yeah, I think, I think (laughs) probably. Uh, so solutions. I mean, I think we go bring a ladder. (laughs) Yeah. Pocket ladders, power (laughs) company, pocket ladders.
0: Jason Kelly used to have stilts, right?
1: He did. That's a great idea. Bring your stilts to the gym at all times (laughs) Um no I mean I think partly this is in the gyms um you know, in the gyms realm to to have to fix I mm-hmm. think the independent lines are a mistake for the progression of climbers I think a section of your wall Could be dedicated to independent lines. Sure. Great. You could have a few here and there.
0: Looks great for the World Cup boulders. It does.
1: It does. And I like it for those, actually.
0: Yeah. I think it does a really nice job with those.
1: Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think there should be some sort of area where there are lots of problems. Maybe that's a project wall, spray wall, whatever it is you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a board, moon board, tension board, kilter board, whatever. You know, did I did I say kilter board twice
0: there? No, I just felt like saying tension board twice. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: Obviously, we're promoting the tension board here. So um, tension board, tension board, or tension board. Well,
0: you're wearing your tension shirt One of too. those
1: three. I am. I am. You're right. Um, those are the obvious solutions I see. Also, learn how to use a power spot. If your gym is one of these, mm-hmm. you know, you know what we need to start marketing are like power spot sticks. So I was it's hoping got you going to say
0: mittens. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, this would be a mitten on a stick. It'd be like a padded, a stick with a padded end so that you could power spot someone who's eight feet up. Perfect. Yeah, we're going to start marketing those. So be on the lookout on the website. <laughs> Any other solutions you see for that other than putting it in the gym's
0: court? Um, no, not really. Like, I mean... Kind of covered it. Spray wall, some sort of systems board. Um, you know, honestly, even if because a lot of gyms include like down climb jugs, mm-hmm. even if they just extended a little bit lower. Like yeah, totally. A to lot the of ground. them stop
1: at like safe dropping
0: height. Exactly. Yeah. So if they make even them
1: ex- working jugs.
0: Yes. So even it's if you just added a thing, we could sell. Yeah. Like Power company working jugs. Um, <laughs> boom. Uh, <clears throat> So yeah, even if they just extended, you know, another two or three holds lower for each one, like that would go a long way. It's like, you know, you're not going to get the benefits of having other holds to be able to make up your own problems with, like make up variations or add intermediate hands or footholds. But this definitely is a huge step up from nothing.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, let's move on to number three. The number three way your gym is holding you back are those fucking scary tall ass bouldering walls
0: i'm glad you said it they're so scary
1: jesus christ (laughs) i uh, there are a lot of times actually that i've walked into some of these new mega gyms and it makes me feel a little anxious like am i gonna have to make a big move up there yes you will hell no
0: because that's how that works (laughs) i believe we covered this in point five it is consistent it gets harder crux is at the top at 16 feet I will
1: create my arbitrary ending <laughs> about eight feet below the top.
0: <clears throat> to go with your arbitrary grade that you give it.
1: Yes. And I'm totally okay with that. 100%. I was at an unnamed gym. I won't say. During NOR. And I won't say what year. So you don't know what city it was in. <laughs> and there were a lot of pros at the gym. Nobody wanted to go to the top. People were dropping off the last moves all over the place. And I mean, I think that's indicative of what's happening here. We're asking beginners, intermediates. I just said that like they're objects or something. Beginner (laughs) climbers, intermediate climbers going to, we're asking them to go to the top of these 20 foot tall boulders. Mm -hmm. The pros don't want to. They're in the gym and they're like, I'm not fucking going up there, you know, I'll drop off here and find another problem that's got a hard start, you know, so I think it's problematic.
0: I completely agree. Um, and just to kind of dig in this, maybe not the direction that most people would think, but like, honestly, for health reasons too, like, I mean, it's 16 feet tall, like is a very common standard now, like. You know, in football and a lot of contact sports, we're talking about TBIs, traumatic traumatic brain injuries. Like, if you're falling hundreds of times a night, and especially you watch kids, like they fall from the top and they're like backsplat. Like, we don't know what the long term repercussions are right. of that. Um, right.
1: One of my former partners, a friend of mine, Jerry Kripel, Dr. Jerry Kripel, um, he's an emergency room doctor. And he's mentioned to me multiple times over the years that he's really interested to see what happens in the future with all these people taking these huge falls as far as spinal injury goes um, you know in his opinion at least as of the last time we talked about it he thought in the future there's probably going to be some quite a few cases of climbers with you know spinal compression injuries and oh I mean it was just going to be a, a this cumulative problem
0: Like, I already know of climbers who've had that. Um, But, and you'll, here's another thing. So we'll start one and I'll get to the other. Um, (laughs) So with youth climbers, especially girls, um, a lot of times girls grow very fast and they don't quite have like the strength to back it up yet. Like you see this with like volleyball players.
1: Gymnasts. I was a gymnastics coach. I saw it all the time.
0: Yeah. Like they get kind of gangly and they can't quite handle themselves yet. And so
1: and obviously this is not everyone no but but this is certainly a common occurrence
0: and it happens with men as well um and actually this example i'm talking about i just saw um a video from a world cup climber he's i think either from france i think he's from france but he posted a video of him doing three back to back broad jumps in a row and on every single landing he had really severe valgus so his knee dipped in towards the other right right um And the thing is, it's like if you're landing from 16 feet off the ground and your knee is dipping in every time, like you're doing damage. Like that's going to hurt your knee, your hip, your spine, everything. Like it goes upstream. Yeah. Yeah. But so you see these girls, um, boys too. Girls is just more common um, because of like that time and when they're growing. And we saw this a lot when I was working as a strength and conditioning coach. And I worked with like soccer, volleyball, and uh, softball players. Um, But the thing is, it's like if you can't just squat at body weight, like just squat down, come back up without your knees diving in, you sure as shit can't do it falling off the top, top of a 15 foot wall.
1: Right? Absolutely.
0: Like, and that adds up. And the thing is, it's like, we don't yet have the protocols in youth climbing to help deal with that. Like I've seen videos from a lot of very, like pretty much some of the best youth programs and they'll show videos on Instagram of them doing like squats and pushups and stuff but you watch videos of them doing just air squats. Like they're all body weight, but it's like half the kids have horrible form. Like they have valgus, like all these things are going wrong. And it's like, cool, you're just patterning something that every time they fall, they're gonna use this same shitty form. Right. Like we don't know what's happening long-term with this. Mm -hmm. Like it hasn't been around long enough. We haven't been falling that high long enough. Like I think we're gonna run into problems.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Maybe we're off base. Who knows? Like you just said, we don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is all speculative.
1: Yep. Um, But But I would, I would caution against it. You know, I would be careful of it. Mm -hmm. And you know, my my now wife, Annalisa, has we've talked several times about the fact that she wasn't an athlete before she became a climber, and
0: as many climbers are. Yeah,
1: and I mean, this is a great sport. In fact, I've read articles in the climbing magazines about how climbing is this like this great alternative sport for non-athletes, you know, the, the sport for nerds and things like that.
0: There are two great prep preparations for this one, either having been a gymnast or two, having played a lot of video games, <laughs> both, <laughs> both amazing, pretty much equal standings.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, dexterity, you know? Yes. <laughs> and because she hadn't been an athlete, she had no idea how to fall. Yes.
0: Completely clueless about how to fall. I see this all the time.
1: And if there's a 16 foot boulder and she's got to fall off the top of it, even slightly out of control, that's trouble.
0: Yeah. It doesn't take much. And you know, you, we see it in gyms all the time where people will land from like 10 feet up kids, especially, and they land like stiff knee and like, yeah, completely locked down. <clears> like they are like pencil, pencil landing straight to the mats and they just go rigid. The second they hit, they don't collapse. So, as far as solutions go one of mine is and we talked about this i think it should be required for youth teams to have some sort of like parkour training okay but just like learning how to land like yeah land roll yep
1: i would take issue with calling it parkour training
0: but it's such a fun word
1: it is fun and it's a fun sport i mean i, I was into it for a little tumbling. bit my Can daughter and it i it were tumbling? into it i don't even think we need tumbling training but we definitely need fall training If there were a way, and there is, um, I mean, I've seen it in several other sports, to just learn to fall, I think that's more important. And if your real goal is to be a good climber, then tumbling training or parkour training in the traditional sense of the words is probably a little too far.
0: Well, actually, if we're going to the traditional sense of parkour, that's like a german park figures you would fucking
1: know the pull-up bars traditional definition of parkour you're fired
0: (laughs) rings and push-up setups but carry on
1: (laughs) so I, i agree i think we need some sort of fall training for youth climbers as a as a former gymnastics coach that's something that The youngest kids coming into the gym, the tumblebees, that's what what they were called. That's what their class
0: was. Tumbling. Interesting. Tumblebees.
1: But they were gymnasts. Okay. They weren't climbers. (laughs)
0: Will will they be worse off for tumbling?
1: No, they won't at all. Um, But there was no way I was convincing Annalisa to tumble when she came into the gym to rock climb. Fair enough. Wasn't going to happen. But they learned to fall. Uh, They spend quite a bit of time learning to fall, learning to roll out of falls, learning where they are in the air. You know, there's there's a ton of that that goes into creating a good gymnast. And then we expect adults who have never been athletes to come into climbing gyms, fall from 16 feet up and be
0: safe. Oh God, they can barely walk on like (laughs) soft matted floors. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. Like it's, I think it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and cooler and cooler. Um, and now like you look at it, you're like, Oh, that's a lot of climbing. That's rad. But like, you know, I think we're going to hit a literal breaking point soon. You yeah. Know, we may not know it for another like 10 years or something before we start seeing like, you know, it's like with football, it's like, huh. Ah, yeah. I mean, the NFL slamming <laughs> against each other head first was a bad thing.
1: Who knew? Right. Right. But Like
0: it's, uh, you know, that,
1: that <laughs> sport has so much money behind it and they're just just learning these things in the past decade or whatever mm-hmm. um so i think it's something we should be watching out for for sure yeah and another solution you know to take it out of the gym's court entirely is what we've already talked about create your own arbitrary finish mm-hmm. you know who who cares it, maybe you don't get the same points for it but it doesn't matter either you know as long as you're challenging yourself stop wherever the hell you feel comfortable stopping if you know that one of your weaknesses is pushing outside of your comfort zone and the the reality of it the the rational part of it is that if you go another two moves you're not going to hurt yourself you're just afraid of it then sure push through that but if there's real danger involved then by all means just fucking stop
0: yeah we're just we're just at the gym to get like stronger and better like you know, if there's a, the biggest thing you want to avoid in training is getting hurt. Cause that's like, that is the opposite of training. Yep. Like, so if there's a chance of it, it's like, that's probably not doing you that good. Or if there's a high likelihood. Um, I will say one thing. Um, I do think like the ramp walls are kind of cool where pads, yeah with the pads, pads rise, rise up, with, up it. with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's neat. Um, it's really cool. Cause you can get a lot of climbing out of that. Like, I think that's a kind of a neat, uh, modern take on things
1: they do end up becoming endurance climbs most of the time
0: mm-hmm. and so that's my next point with tall walls is that they're all kind of endurance climbs yeah like it's really hard to do a five move boulder on mm-hmm. you know 16 foot wall if it isn't just like giant jumps between volumes
1: yep and that's a mistake i made early on was you know we had climb time in cincinnati which was a which is is uh, I shouldn't say was is an absolutely amazing bouldering gym and they're opening a new facility soon. Um, and and it, we were lucky that it was there but what I would do when I went in there because the bouldering walls are huge is I would gravitate right toward the longer problems mm-hmm. um, and just play to my own strengths. you know I would avoid the things that some of the stronger guys in town, uh, Dan Rush and Aaron Schneider were, We're doing these just a couple of moves at a time, you know, rather than going all the way to the top of the wall. And I was just short-sighted and went straight for the longer problems. Mm -hmm. So it became endurance.
0: Yeah. You know, and I think there's value in both. Like you don't want to be that guy that gets pumped on six-move rock climbs. Totally. But if you can't do hard moves, then you're kind of hosed.
1: Yep, absolutely. Uh, Before we take a break, I have a, a pop question for you for the gyms who have really tall walls which is the better solution out of these three Hmm. chop your walls off Ooh. add more pads okay or just finish your boulders at a lower spot quick you're being timed Uh, this is jeopardy
0: lower boulders
1: all right i do like um you don't, you don't get to talk more. You just had an answer. That's all you get. I
0: was just saying I like that Climb So Ill has their kids' boulders only go to halfway.
1: Yeah, me too. I think I that's like nice. That. That's a smart idea. Good job, Climb So Ill. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. Break, break. What's up, everybody? Chris here. Pardon the interruption. I'll keep this short and sweet. Since this podcast started taking off and we've been growing it, you guys have been asking how you can help out. I've got three ways for you. Number one, you can become a patron. That just means you give a monthly donation to the podcast, a dollar and up, and you get something in return. And you can check out what those rewards are at patreon.com slash Podcast. Best of all, we'll keep it sponsor and commercial-free for you. Number two, you can rate us and review us on iTunes. I know it's a pain in the ass to go to iTunes and do all that, but it really helps us out. At least that's what I'm told by the podcast powers that be. And number three... Perhaps the easiest way and the best way to help us out is to share us on your social medias. Anytime you see us post up a new podcast, please share it with your friends, tag people who will really appreciate it or who need to hear the advice that we're giving. All right. Thank you guys. And back to the show. And we have returned. We're on number two, right? Correct. Correct. The number two way that your gym is holding you back is, and this may sound a little bit ridiculous, but ergonomics, mm-hmm. both in problems and in grips. Um, we both had this one in differing ways in our list of things.
0: Um, why don't you go first? Tell yeah. me about it. Um, so with mine, it was more with movements. So moves being ergonomic in that, like, you know, you don't have moves that are overly shouldery or anything that seems too strenuous. Um, and there are times where I think things are like not a good idea. We don't need to be doing wild, like downward dinos.
1: Right. Totally. And I'll give a quick example, even though we're just starting into this, but Rock Quest used to have... We have a top-out boulder, but frankly, the setters got really fucking lazy and stopped having top-outs, mm-hmm. so there would be, like, two finished jugs on each panel of wall, uh-huh. so every problem would finish on those two finished jugs, and six or seven problems would end in these, like, wild sideways dinos to get to the finished jugs. Totally. That shit is stupid. Yes. Don't do that. That's, That's not what we're talking about.
0: Just lazy setting. Yeah. Um, so this one is a bit tough and so with ergonomics in general the idea is that frankly if you're trying to be prepared for outdoor climbing like things aren't always going to be comfortable and nice and where you want them like yeah holds are going to face the wrong way like you're going to be in odd positions and the best way to be prepared for that is to practice it mm-hmm. um, and the worst ba- way to to deal with these situations is to be unprepared and then try and throw yourself head
1: first. Yeah, you're going to get hurt. Yes. No question.
0: Um, so I think with ergonomics, and this is just simply with moves you can talk on because you were kind of psyched to talk on the holds. Um, you know, I think this is something that kind of needs to be built into your regular climbing. Like as you work up through the grades, like things get a little less laddery or just, You know, everything is always kind of where you want them. And sometimes things just have to be a little bit like strange or weird so that over time you can build up to it. Cause I think what's dangerous too, is you, you'll see this happen in gyms to where up to V7, it's all nice and comfy and cozy. Right. And then they start getting to V8. It kind of
1: depends on what the setter's level is.
0: Yes, exactly. Like once it gets to around the setter's project levels. So like often we see that somewhere between like, you know, V8 and up like you start seeing a little more strenuous of moves and this is also where you start to see more people getting injured. Yep. Um, and I think, I think the two are related. It's not just, Oh, well they're finally climbing hard enough or, you know, their body's breaking down. It's like, you know, well if you're only climbing on very comfy stuff and then it's not until you start climbing on V nines that things you start have to grab really bad crimps or do really hard shoulder moves or things like that. Like if you've been spending your entire climbing career, not doing that, or, The bulk of it, not doing that, then you're going to be in trouble when it does hit.
1: Yeah, I I agree completely. And it's, you know, you said it's tough. um, And it is most definitely. Uh, It's hard to know when to put in those sort of strenuous moves where it's going to tax somebody um, in a way that they're not used to being taxed. But I talked to uh, both Tonde Catillo and Jeremy Ho recently at the CWA and both of them talked about having this sort of system where they gradually lead climbers into being able to do more strenuous moves, grab harder grips, um, do more technical movement. And they set for them in such a way that as they progress, as you go from you know, V two to V four. You're doing just the next step up in these shouldery moves or big drop knees or whatever it might be. And I think that's a really interesting way to look at setting um, and something that hasn't been explored enough, in my opinion. Um, maybe I'm just missing it. I don't spend a ton of time in gyms mm-hmm. um, unless we're on tour. So. So maybe I'm just missing it and it's happening quickly and that would be great if that's the case. Um, but I think that goes for holds as well. You know, people come here to Lander and get oh, hurt. man, yeah. It, it happens frequently. And I've been thinking quite a bit about it. Um, I re-watched uh, the, the film Wind and Rattlesnakes about Lander climbing, a history of Lander climbing the other day. And Steve Bechtel makes a comment in the you know, in the film that BJ Tilden has built his entire style around this area. <clears throat> and I don't think that's true. I think what's true is that the area has built BJ Tilden's style. And that occurred to me when I was going I was warming up one day on a 10B, and there's a pretty big pool on a mono. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, this this is it. And I started looking more and more, and there are there are monos on five tens somewhat regularly around here. Five elevens, they're a little more, five twelves, they're frequent. Five thirteens, it's hard to find one without a mono. Mm-hmm. So though the climbers that grow up here get used to those types of holds, they get used to Tiny little crimps, like Crosley little painful tiny crimps, mm-hmm. and they get used to mono pockets. Climbers that grow up in gyms in the Midwest where the gym says, oh, we can't put pockets on the wall because it's a liability and we don't want you to get hurt, then they give these climbers gym to crag clinics and teach them to go climbing outside and send them off to land or Wyoming where they're going to blow up their fucking fingers. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not their responsibility once they've left the gym, but as soon as you're having these gym to crag conversations, you're taking some of the responsibility, whether you like it or not. So I think it's a mistake to not include some sort of preparation as far as grips and movements go. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know what the liability looks like for that, so I'm not faulting the gym. I understand that it's a business. It's problematic. You don't want people hurt in your facility.
0: Hurt customers don't get memberships. Yeah,
1: totally. I get it. But I wish there were a way, and maybe there is, that I'm just not seeing for the gym to help climbers get better at these tweaky holds, difficult tweaky sort of movements.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, we had talked in a previous podcast and I had mentioned how I talked with Tom Randall of Lattice, uh, while he was in Houston and he was very surprised when he was traveling around the States. He was just like, yeah, like the gyms are really almost the exact same here as they are back home in the UK. But the difference is back home, there were just a bunch of really nasty little crimps. And over here, y'all you have your giant blob slipper yeah. holds. Yep. Um, which don't get me wrong, I love my blob sloper holds.
1: I do too, and but, and because I love them, that's what I gravitate toward. Mm-hmm. And I, I very quickly can realize that I've spent the last three weeks only climbing on blobby slopers, you know, and not grabbing any little crimps.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's just it. It's like if you. I mean, crimson pockets are the same thing. Like if you're not climbing on them, you're not going to be prepared for them. Like, so when you do have to grab them, like you're going to be more likely to be hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're going to have to grab them. If you want to climb outside and like climb well, then yeah, you're going to you're going to come across them and pockets too. Like, I think another thing that, you know, people are like, I don't climb on limestone or I don't ever, (laughs) I don't ever want to go to lander. (laughs) <laughs> um you know, like I don't need to work on pockets, but the thing is, like when you climb outside, whether it's granite, limestone, sandstone, whatever, you'll grab holds where not all of your fingers line up perfectly on this nice horizontal crimp. Right. Like things will be crossly, like your ring finger might be like down towards your palm and your other fingers are up higher, like everything's uneven. Yep. Your fingers need to be strong in these like odd shapes. Otherwise, when you try and grab that, like you're gonna it's gonna seem really tweaky to you. And it's because you're not prepared. So, yeah.
1: And it, it doesn't have to be a pocket. You're, you grab it. You grab grips the same way, whether it's a hole in the rock or an edge on the rock. You grab it the way it demands to be grabbed. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's just the way it is.
0: Mm-hmm. No, totally. Um And I've heard the argument as well that if people want to be strong on, like, crimps or pockets, then that's their job to take care of. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what we run into with this is, and, you know, one solution could be hangboarding, but the problem is, like, it takes time. Like, it's not a six-week to, you know, BJ Tilden tendons.
1: Right. And and frankly, hanging on pockets is different than pulling on pockets.
0: Couldn't agree more.
1: Considerably different. So if you don't have the ability to pull between pockets, then book a session at the machine shop because we have tons of them.
0: Yeah. Maybe the most <laughs> pocketed wall and lander. That's probably accurate. Including the rodeo wave.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I think it needs to... There needs to be a conversation around this. I think, Yeah, I mean, if we're going to have these tall-ass walls where people are going to get hurt down the road, why are we so afraid of these smaller, less significant injuries? I mean, a pulley strain is far less significant than some sort of spinal compression injury that's going to limit you for the last 40 years of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I think there needs to be a conversation around it. I'm not the person to have that conversation, but I, I would love to spark it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, I can definitely see a gym's perspective too of if yeah. they say, Hey, it's not my job to prepare people for climbing outside. Like this is the equivalent of a roller rink. Right. Like, and I've been to gyms where that is their approach. Like, yep.
1: I worked in roller rinks for a large part <laughs> of my life. So I get it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. So yeah, like, I get it. It's But, you know, if your plan is to be a well-rounded climber who can go outside and climb hard without getting hurt, like these are things you need to take into consideration.
1: Yeah, you have to. There's just no getting around it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you look at all these photos, these images of our heroes and climbing. Um, There was just one on the Big Up Instagram page of Adam Ondra and part of the caption was, I don't know how he holds on to these, you know. And you look at the photo and you can't even tell what the hell it is he's holding on to. They're absolutely minuscule. Mm-hmm. You can't learn that in today's gyms. No. You know, you're gonna get hurt trying. You might be stronger than Adam Aldra. You might be this prodigy who has the potential to be the next best climber, but if you don't learn on the tiny crimps and the little pockets that all of today's best climbers came up on. There were pockets all over the gym when I was climbing in the gym. I mean, Nero pockets were ubiquitous. They were everywhere. Mm-hmm. If you don't come up on those things, you're not going to be prepared for them when you go outside. Yeah. So gyms, I think that's partially up to you. I think that, you know, like we mentioned, hangboarding is an option i don't think it's the full answer so Mm. i definitely put this one in the gym's court as far as maybe you should consider it part of your job to prepare your climbers to go outside in more ways than just gym to crag clinics you know don't hang up hammocks that kind of shit yeah yeah so we're to our number one we need a we need a drum roll sample. I'll get a drum roll to put in here. Perfect. Okay. Cue drum roll now. And our number one way that your gym is holding you back this is something that has been a pet peeve of mine for quite a long time. Quick turnover. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds silly. We like it when there's new problems. You know, I've climbed all the V7s in the gym. I need some new V sevens. So then your gym provides, you get lots of new V sevens and lo and behold, you're stuck at V seven. How does that happen? I don't know.
0: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a funny thing. Cause I remember when I first started climbing, that was like the classic critique of climbing gyms was, that's yeah. oh, a cool gym, but man, they, their turnover is terrible. Like it's like, that was the go-to. Mm-hmm. and now that's not even a thing anymore like i i can't remember the last time someone complained about gym turnover like other
1: than it's too fast like i don't get to work on my project and you were the only person i know who
0: complains about it <laughs> but more should
1: lots of people do now because i've prompted them to complain about it
0: but. i mean it's a real thing like <clears throat> yes like having i don't know it's funny because i definitely used to be one of those people who was just like oh, i don't know i don't like that it takes so long for the gym to turn over but then i now realize like i was also stuck in that same gap of like i was waiting for the new like v6s to come out right i would climb all the v6s v5s and like you know i said the words that i now like warn everyone against like which is oh every i can do everything everything in the gym that i can do like i've already done and otherwise right. it's in i can't do it right and it's like which is a giant red flag that you are like stuck in the comfort zone and you're not trying to push yourself. Yep. Like if you honestly believe like you've done everything you can and everything else you can't do, like it's either you can do it or it's impossible. It's like, well, that means you're only like staying in your comfort zone. Yep. Absolutely. And the thing is, it's like if you have a brand new set of boulders every week, it's great. You can keep doing the same thing every week. I mean, it's like getting on a treadmill and so many people do. I'm just going to jog at the same pace. Yep every week, like twice a week, and who knows, maybe I'll become a world-class marathoner at this rate. Yep. Or I'll keep climbing or jogging at the same rate.
1: Yeah, which is exactly what you're going to do. I've seen it happen over and over and over. We had, you know, even when a gym would leave up some projects for a little while, when they reset a new area of the gym, people tend to flock toward it. You know, I used to see it at Rockwest all the time that we had four four zones on the boulder and each zone got reset every four weeks. Hmm. So it would be one week we would reset zone A, next week we would reset zone 2 or zone B. I guess we should probably decide yeah. which we're going with. <laughs> next is Charlie. <laughs> So you would reset the whole boulder in a four-week cycle. And what would happen is in zone one, all the new boulders, you'd go in on Tuesday night, everybody's on the new zone. Totally. You know, I'd be like, peace out, y'all. I'm going over to the zone that's going to be here for a while so I could try some hard shit. Mm -hmm. Everyone would send all the things up to their comfort zone, up to their comfort level. Then next week when they would come in, zone two is ready. Let's send all the things that's that are at our comfort level and it would just keep going around the boulder that way.
0: And it's perfect. Cause so many people climb like, you know, around three, four days a week. And that's about how long it takes for them to climb all the moderates, all the yep. things just below their yeah. level. And you know, it have your like two day projects that they can finish off. Right. And there's the next set.
1: Yeah. And it's, it just keeps people at a very slow rate of progression or keeps them totally stagnant. Mm hmm. Um, and I think that's that's a problem. It's sad. It's, you know, I'm <laughs> um, being honest here. It, it hurts my feelings to watch it happening because gyms could give people some sort of uh, some sort of easy way in to progression if they chose to. And I mean, I think the circuits idea that Tonde Catillo talks about is a really interesting idea and and alleviates this problem uh, to some degree anyway. Um, and, you know, you will you guys will hear about that in the episode with Tonde when it comes out, which who knows when that'll be. Might be before this one comes out. Who knows? And um, But otherwise, I, I think it's really up to the gym to have an answer for this and you know luckily i think most are nowadays a lot of them are leaning toward having some solutions Mm -hmm. um and the way i see it the best solution is having some sort of project wall some sort of board um tension 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 moon or kilter 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 one of those yeah um one of those seven will, (laughs) will do fine um I think those are good answers to allowing for long-term projects. Long-term projects do several things. Not only do they give you something to work on over time, but they give you a really nice way to gauge your progress. If the gym, if the gym's grading changes, all of a sudden you jumped from V6 to V9, And then three weeks later, you're back to V6 and you're like, what the fuck happened? How did I get really strong? And then really weak, you know, which happens all the time, which happens all the fucking time. Like
0: setters go on a trip out to like Yosemite or somewhere or like Waco. And then they all just get crushed or something. They're like, okay, we got to revamp our grades. Like from now on V9 is V6. Like, and man, like I get messages from, I'm sure you get these too from my clients all the time where Mm -hmm. they're like, yeah, the setters, like, uh, they're on a new tear and all the grades are weird. Uh, so, I don't know what's happening, but I think I feel strong.
1: Yeah, totally. I, I hear that kind of thing all the time. And the best way to gauge whether you're actually climbing better or not is to have some sort of long-term project and you know, things that you can repeat regularly um, to gauge how it feels. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have those, it's really tough and really easy to get caught in this this, like washer cycle of the same same grade over and over and over
0: totally man. it's funny i remember uh when i was climbing tva back when i was in college um jimmy webb and brian Vogus would always have like hard projects going up but when they would like strip a wall like they would just leave their project up like strip the wall and reset it right. around the project because yep. that had to stay um and yeah that's like you know i think there's really something to that like having you know and that means it would have been up for a month at that Mm -hmm. point or something along those lines like yeah i think there's a lot of value in you know it's not saying like you need to just work one project for a month straight but you need to be able to have that like you shouldn't just be doing oh yeah it took me like mm, two sessions like or i did it first try third session like
1: yeah not everything should be that way
0: no like i mean
1: those shouldn't be your hardest projects of all time, and that's and that's all the time you get. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: yeah. If you're trying to move like wall to wall as they turn over, um, you know, and I think there can be value for newer climbers in a fast turnover. Yep, I agree. You know, they're getting to climb on higher volume, like they're getting to see more new moves. So I think it can be good for them. But I think once you've been in it for a while, like that's. Yeah, you're just stuck on a treadmill at that point.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, I mean, other than that, other than having the project walls, are there any other solutions you see for people? Because, you know, we're not going to convince the gyms. Their, their money comes from people coming in who aren't training to because they're hardcore rock climbers. Mm-hmm. You know, so the the turnover is great for them.
0: Ooh, I don't know what would be a cool one like I'm just thinking complete hypotheticals like what, <laughs> like what if anytime you stripped a wall and you're going to rotate it if you like took a vote of what was the best like let's say of like three spectrums like of you know like v5 seven and nine or whatever what mm. was the
1: best and left those up for
0: a while even better you take them down you wash them put them back up exactly how they were. And then just let them sit for one more round.
1: Hmm. That would be kind of cool. I I like that idea.
0: I don't know if anyone would actually do this, but it'd be kind of neat. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, otherwise, other than, you know, having like a systems board, something along those lines or like a project wall, like it can be kind of tough. And it's like what you talked about, like you need to be able to kind of benchmark where you're at, like with your climbing. And... Yep. the best way to do that is with climbing because mm-hmm. you know we've all, a lot of us have fallen into a trap of like oh well i can do x amount of one arms or my front lever feels like this or like
1: or i can hang with this much
0: weight on this size edge or it, exactly and you realize mm-hmm. all these things like are very manipulable. um we'll pretend i said that well <laughs> um they're, they're very malleable um yeah like these are all very trainable things and you can jump them up or down very fast um And they're not always a great picture of how your entire climbing is.
1: Right. You could take all 20 of your assessment data points and add them together and maybe figure out where you're at. Or you could climb a boulder that you regularly climb and you understand everything about it and you know how you feel when you're on it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: No, it's whichever it's up to you. Yeah.
0: It's important. I mean, like, and I was kind of reflecting on this recently, like, as I was looking through old training logs, like I spent one year trying to get just really good finger strength. That was my entire goal and it worked. Like I got really good finger strength. Um, I was successful in that, but like I made a trade off in a lot of ways. And I think about like, like what I was able to do, like I was able to one arm hang the bottom, like the smallest edge of a beast maker comfortably, like for just over five seconds. Which now I think about that, I'm like, oh wow! Like if I could have that plus all the skills I have now, it's like I'd be off grade. But um, at the time, that was all I was measuring. I was like, can I, like, can I just hang an edge? And then I got to where I could hang that and like hang it fairly comfortably for five seconds. Um, Which I was like, cool, I'm good. Like this is great. Like my my hands are strong enough. But I had let so much else slip because that's that was all I was measuring. Yeah, that it was like. Oh, it was really useful for some things, but then, you know, it's like, now it's like, even though I can't even touch that right now, like I am way better off on a lot of climbs than I would have been then.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. I I think, I think we have to have climbs as benchmarks. Um, I don't think there's a a better way. Yeah. So,
0: And then not that we've found yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. that's that's those are the only five ways your gym is holding you back
0: everything else is wonderful
1: yeah everything else is amazing um, no and it, you know I just want to say this again we're totally not trying to bash on the gyms here because I, I do think gyms are doing a great job of providing for climbers I mean
0: and they just keep getting better
1: yeah I mean there's there's these mega training areas now there are tons of gyms have moon boards tension boards and kilter boards there's there's stuff all over these gyms. If if you're not finding a way to improve yourself, then more likely than not, you should be looking at yourself first. Um, but there are going to be occasions where your gym isn't going to provide exactly what you need, and you know sometimes I think the the balls in the gym's court. Sometimes I think it's in yours. So. I think that's what it comes down to is we're just trying to further the conversation on how can gyms better help their clientele, the climbers and how can, how can climbers help themselves to continue to improve? Yeah. So I need to quote that and put it on the website. That sounded pretty good in my head. That was pretty good. So, (laughs) Um, so you guys know exactly where to find us I don't know when this will go out so I don't know what cool things we have going on in the immediate um, future but I guarantee you there are some cool things because we have lots of those on the books um, but you guys know where to find that information powercompanyclimbing.com you should check us out there we've got training plans of all sorts of all levels um, starting from eBooks where it's all just you to proven plans uh, with and without coach communication to fully custom individualized plans. If that's something that fits you, we've also got, um, in-person assessments we can do here in Lander. We can do them in Chattanooga with our guy, Paul Corsaro. We've got all sorts of options. So check us out there. Follow us on the Instagrams, and the Facebooks and the Pinterest at Power Company Climbing. You can look for us on the Twitter. All you want. You can search for days and days and days. You are not going to find us there because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. <laughs> <laughs>